Hi, friends. Hello, should I delete that, listeners? We still have some tickets left for our live tour and we would absolutely love to see you there. On Thursday, the 23rd of May, we will be performing in the London Islington Assembly Hall. On Monday, the 27th of May, we will be in Salford. On Tuesday, the 28th of May, we'll be in Glasgow. Sunday, the 2nd of June, Birmingham. Monday, the 3rd of June, Bristol. And Tuesday, the 4th of June in Southampton. You can get your tickets at aegpresents.co.uk or via the link in the show notes or our Instagram bios. Really hope we see you there. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm always a bit aware of kind of when sexuality is seen as something that's like so linked to somebody else because I want us all to like have our own sexual identity and kind of feeling. Hello and welcome back to Should I Delete That? I'm Alex Lyne. I'm Em Clarkson. How are you doing, Al? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah? I need a wee, but I'm good. As is standard for this stage of your life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Anything? I'm trying to push through. Good. I'm trying to push it out. Um, <laughs> anything good, bad, awkward for me? Loads. Um, good. Yeah. We, I mean, we do get a lot of nice emails, but we received a really lovely email to both of us about the podcast. Yeah. About this, uh, basically about this girl's body image journey and how like the podcast has just helped her feel a bit less alone and she's getting married and she feels like she's got a dress that she feels comfortable in and that was never she thought that was never going to be on the cards for her like it was always going to be she was always going to feel horrible and she's excited about her wedding anyway I just read this email and I was like god that is so lovely that's yeah. so nice also on Made the goods so happy. we also had such an amazing reception last week to Dr Amanda Brown's episode so good and it was just so lovely to yeah. I don't know like there's everybody has a podcast and like it's <laughs> they really do yeah and like everybody's always talking all the time and there is a lot of noise and we're like really aware of that and you know like it's something that we're really passionate about like trying to bring conversations that like we really value and, and yeah. Amanda Brown for both of us was like just someone that we were just like it was mind-blowing completely obsessed with and it was such a privilege to like yeah be able to have that conversation and air it and stuff so yeah I think like to have everybody love and, it as much as we did was just really yeah nice. and offer a new perspective completely different perspective I had an so email I had a DM from somebody saying that she was a nurse and having listened to that podcast she'd always thought about working in prisons and always felt that it was her duty as a nurse to care for people without judgment and that that episode was a sign she needed and when she finished her master's she was going to apply for a job that's so so, look at us us changing careers (laughs) I know know. I don't mean that any any bads? my bad is that I had a call with a health visitor and she told me that by now I'm 33 weeks that showed that by now my hospital bag should be packed and ready by the door I I it obviously isn't. Like, I don't even know what goes into a hospital bag. So... Do you want my list? <sighs> yes, please. I made a list. Yes, please. And I'll revise the list of things that I actually use. Yes, please. Yeah, because I overpacked. Yeah, I don't want to do that. As is per. I just, I just want the essentials. Yeah. I don't want to overwhelm myself. Just don't forget stuff. a baby hat. Don't forget a hat. That no. was one thing. I, I should have remembered. Yeah. Hat. Baby hat. I did buy a hat, but it, I thought it was for the hospital. And then my mum and Jen laughed at me. Is it a novelty like, hat? Fur. It's got it's it's a bear hat. That's got a big bear on it, and it's also probably a fit for a two year old. So I don't think it's not right. No. Anyway, so this weekend it's it's panic. It's panic buying. It's panic packing. It's panic everything. Okay, good. You don't need to panic. You've still got ages. I have still got ages. And next day delivery is a godsend. Like I, next day delivery. How did our parents do it? Badly. Very badly. Jesus. Very badly. You got anything for me? I've got awkward. I've got an awkward for you. So um, as you might have noticed in my content recently, I've been trying to, well, I've been consistent because I'm doing my 30 day affirmation station. Yes. Love them. Yep. Loving that. Um, anyway, I'm having to think of like new and original ideas every day, which is a ridiculous thing to do at this time of my life. We're about to recording loads of interviews because obviously you're about to go on maternity leave. So I'm very busy. Um, I've got my childcare set up, which is really good, but it does mean that I'm now pushing my whole working week into a couple of days a week because 
Yeah. Because the rest of the time I want to be with my kid. And so, you know, I'm just, I'm really busy at the moment. Yeah. And I've decided to take this on, which was absolutely moronic, but I'm also kind of enjoying it. Anyway, a couple of days ago, I tried to film aesthetic content. Like I wanted to do like my like morning routine thing. Um, anyway, a few things were awkward about it. We, you've already laughed at me for the fact that I put my phone in the fridge and then had to pretend that my phone wasn't in the fridge. Like, oh, it's just here. Oh, I saw the ad today and I was like, oh God, hello. Hey, yeah, and so, so <laughs> you did it well though. Thanks so much. Yeah, no, I nailed it. You want to say something really sad? Go on. This was the video. Okay, so I, I, I set up my tripod. Yeah. I need I need the new iPhone because the camera on this one has gone to shit, right? Right. So I can't use the front-facing camera anymore to film because it's just gone really blurry. So I have yeah. to use the back-facing camera. So I set up this shot to show myself doing my hair. Yeah. Because that's the kind of influence that I am now. Yeah. This is an eight-minute, 55-second <laughs> clip. Are you ready? Go on. What? Are you joking? I flipped it the wrong way. I filmed out my window for nine minutes. No, you didn't. No, you did not. Wait, but how could... Wait, so you ha- you were only seeing the back camera? Yeah. So you presumed it was just on you? Yeah. <laughs> it was actually on the window the whole time? A nine-minute clip. Oh, I'm I ashamed for you. I was so <laughs> devastated when I went to look back at the footage and it was like, oh, no. And it completely ruined the content. Oh, so, like, that I should make a whole clip of just with the camera spacing. <laughs> oh, my God, that's it's so, so good. <laughs> It's so sad. Like, there, there's a whole series in, like, vloggers setting up the shot. But then, Al, I undid it. I undid my hair and redid my hair for the camera oh, because I'd done no. it up when it was facing the window. So then I undid it all and then I redid it. You if don't look pissed off. I would be visibly fuming if i just done that. If that's not awkward, then I don't know what is. That is well awkward. <laughs> Isn't it? You tragic little loser. So You're trash. a terrible influencer and well, you deserve everybody to leave. Trudge. Absolutely pathetic. <sighs> and I tried filming this morning's as well and I was filming... I need a new camera I need a new phone but like <laughs> I need the fucking 15 but it's like thousands yeah, of pounds on a wait really list is. so annoying anyway yeah, fuck that anyway good good shared, sharing in the response about the um, last week's episode but yes. also we had another hag event on Sunday we did a little yes. we did a little 10k so that was lush so yeah that just good nice. vibes at the minute good uh, bad no is that Arlo's a bit poorly oh. again mm, you've noticed about once every two weeks I'm like oh yeah Arlo's poorly again Arlo's oh. poorly kids kids no right? immune systems yeah like seems like a fundamental design flaw yeah. if i were designing a baby a fragile little infant i would give it a considerably better immune system than what they have and make them able to walk as soon as they come out that seems secondary mm, like yeah. giving them some immunity to the things that could kill them or at least make their lives miserable yeah seems like a really good place to start yeah it does doesn't it yeah making them have colds every like two or three weeks oh it's just building up their immunity uh. why weren't they born with it the worst is the sickness bugs. <sighs> I'm dread. Oh. We haven't had one of those yet. Touch wood and fucking oh whistle. She just she's got a really. I've had the snot the snot thing out. No, I, they give me nightmares. They they they. I find them Needs harrowing. Must. Needs must. <sighs> I'm I determined know. to never do that, but I I know I probably will. But oh good, no, you'll have they're to. So disgusting. It's so sad. I mean, obviously, maybe I'll because I'll still breastfeeding as well. Like, if she can't breathe through her nose, she can't breathe. So we gotta clear. We gotta clear the pipes. <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot it's so gross but it somehow also doesn't really bother me because I'm like oh my little baby love you yeah maybe maybe yeah yeah totally maybe. like if it was someone else's kid I'd be like Ugh. but like it's just so gross and like how do you clean that then yeah that's a bit of <laughs> scene just rinse it a gross. lot but it's fine I but I do bit, wish so. I better yeah she's fine she's she just better. it's just so sad oh, just so sad so and helpless. they're poorly I know I know they're little poorly they can't little say they can't, they can't moan I know I know I'm I know. miserable to I know. be ill and not be able to moan I know have you got anything awkward I do oh, I good. do I actually shared my awkward with you guys but I um, I, I went up to Liverpool last weekend to meet my friend's new baby gorgeous little thing Xander very very beautiful little boy loved meeting him gorgeous and seeing her and her husband anyway her husband a few nights ago put on facebook like one month of xander and i wrote under it xander and then i i went to write four hearts right but i did two hearts and then two vomit emojis (laughs) the vomit emoji was right next to the heart one and i did it so quickly (laughs) that i just pressed send and then i was like oh my I've just put vomit emojis under my friend's it's brand new. It's the fact new that you wrote his name first, baby. like Xander. 
How awful. It's really good. I deleted it, obviously, straight away. Not and before screenshotting it and sending it to us, though, which I appreciate. Yeah, I did a very quick screenshot. And then did four hearts instead of vomit emojis. So ho- hopefully they didn't see it, but... How rude. I mean, of all the emojis, it's about as bad as it gets. It's the worst one. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. The vomit. So, so good. There you go. That's my awkward. Oh, God. I saw something on TikTok the other day that was just like, when someone asks you to hold a newborn baby, it's like, you wouldn't ask them to hold a tampon. It's like the same thing. It's just been inside you. Oh, my God. That's so weird. <laughs> Here, hold my tampon. Yeah, but hopefully not immediately after being inside you. Yeah. Like, if you... Imagine. Give the tampon a bit of time give it to, your husband. to dry out. It's a bit better. Yeah, dry out. <laughs> Gorge. Foul. Well, anyway. We've got a guest. A guest. We've got a relationship and sex educating guest today. We've we got do. the amazing Ruby Rare. This was a really lovely episode. I think we've focused quite a lot on sex in yes. recent episodes. But it was really nice to have this conversation from a relationship perspective. Yeah, and to explore how the two intersect, yeah. which we've, I don't think we've done before, no. really. No, it was really lovely, a really great conversation, just so open yeah. and just really wholesome. Yeah, and she's lovely. She's so lovely. Yeah. And she was in a full villa juicy tracksuit, oh, which is something I can only Pink aspire one. to. Which I know, is. love that for her. Hope you enjoyed the episode, guys. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Ruby Rare. Is that your what do you think? No. Obviously, it's not my real name. <laughs> yeah, but Ruby, you are Ruby's talking my real name. to Alex Light, which I always think like isn't her real name, but it is. Is that your surname? Yeah, yeah. that's gorgeous, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. Someone like did it. ask me once, is that a stage name? And I was like, what? No, that's show business, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ruby Rare was just my Instagram handle. I don't know if either of you feel like this. It's quite helpful having like a bit of a Hannah Montana vibe you got the like, yeah, I'm in my little sexy world. mode right now Love great that. Ruby yeah. Rare yes. and then I'm like scabbing around on the beach and being kind of weird and that's me like, like day to day so that that's been quite useful yeah yeah good like separation that's yeah, like we've got so. listener questions to talk to you about but that's something that like I just have personal questions about because I'm I'm not as free as I'd like to be how do you <laughs> handle like doing like talking about sex on the internet mm-hmm. and then like kind of juggling that with your real life. Like, is that like, are you, are you Miley? Are you Hannah? Like, <laughs> what are you? How does that, like, how do you kind of bridge that in your real life? That's a really good question. I mean, because I come from working in a sexual health charity, mm. sexual health is like not sexy. Yes. It's, it's, you know, local government stuff and being in clinics and like education system. It's, it feels... I think that as my grounding in the space has meant that it doesn't feel like super, super sexy a lot of the time, even though I don't really do that stuff anymore. And nowadays, I think when I I moved to the coast, it was really useful because that was like a separation. A lot of my work isn't where I live any like mm. anymore or like I don't know it's just created a little of a, bu- a bit of a bubble where I have like a sanctuary where me and my mates like don't talk about work and that's not a part of how we like relate to each other mm. like I know where my limits are and they're probably different from other people's but I'm happy talking about this a lot because I genuinely don't really care because I think it's really important I've worked with enough people especially young people to know that there's so much shame there's so much nervousness everyone has got those panicked like fuck am I normal questions in their mind and if we all keep them secret that's just not doing it it's just continuing on a cycle of like shame and fear and not learning and expressing ourselves so I don't mind just chatting about a lot of this stuff also like I used to be a life model for years like I'm a naked like I'm really it doesn't it doesn't a lot of this stuff doesn't phase me but then I guess there'll be things that like I would feel really uncomfortable doing so you are you are a sex educator yep can you talk us through how you got there like how that came to be yeah sure so I I need to remember more to say like relationships and sex educator because they are so wrapped up a lot of the time I think the sex is the bit that people want to hear about the right. most and then I'm like hey relationships they all That's it all weaves in <laughs> together but I started working for Brooke which is a sexual health charity and they are amazing they work with young people but also all ages all around the country and they do clinical like sexual health as well as educational work and I worked there for five years and that was kind of how I learned how to speak about all of this stuff it's also where I learned how to like speak because before then if I was in a meeting I would go bright red and shake like if I had to speak if this would have made me like 
wither and melt really? and I wouldn't have been able to do it. And I kind of, getting in front of a classroom of students just kind of <laughs> Where did squashed it out of me. Where come in that time? Oh, that was before. I wasn't phased about that. So you could be naked, but you just couldn't speak. Yeah. That's, that's so amazing, interesting, isn't yeah. it? I know, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, I'd have been like, the other I, way around. I think... Yeah, I think it was just feeling like really on the spot and I was really anxious at the time and there was something about life modelling where you're not having to like, perf- it, it feels counterintuitive but it's not performative, you're yeah, not having yeah. to do it, you're just being. Yeah, Whereas yeah. if you're, if I had to like do a presentation, it was very much like all eyes on me and being kind of critical Pressure. about what I'm doing. Yeah. So yeah, I like literally sat in front of a classroom of 14 year olds having like the most brutal experience of my life of teenagers just being like we do not give a shit about what you're saying (laughs) that humbled me enough to then like learn how to speak and really engage people with these topics and I I loved I loved doing that I love working with young people and I learned so much from being in that charity and I'm still involved with them now and from that I kind of started to be asked to do these workshops and lessons for adults and started talking about my job online and then that kind of blew up in an unexpected way and I've I think I still do a lot of the same things that I've been doing like from the very beginning from like eight nine years ago but just in different spaces because everyone like none of us had good sex education Mm. when we were growing up so I used to work with young people who were like having their first experience of what relationship and sex education was like and then realizing that as adults we're all trying to play catch up because all of us like had this missed opportunity where people didn't speak to us at all or spoke to us and gave us like these really weird damaging messages or there was a lot of like fear and uncertainty left within ourselves so I think so many of us are still kind of trying to play catch up Mm. but also being adults being like I'm going through the menopause and I don't know what's happening like I've just had a kid and I don't know what's happening so that's I'm really fascinated by those like unknown pockets of conversation. Within the sex work that you do I think it is interesting that you like you point out that relationships part of that is because even having had like you say poor sex ed I don't think we have any relationship education at all Mm -hmm. and like I guess I always think that that's we don't have it for friendships either which I think is a bit difficult like we're not taught how to be friends we're not taught how to be girlfriends boyfriends like partners and we're also not taught how to be like social media friends either like I think there's like there's so much like in terms of like the kind of um I don't even know what you'd call it what lesson you'd need that but like the humanity side yeah. that isn't taught like we're not taught how to be humans you're taught like geography and french and whatever but like mm-hmm. not how to like navigate your actual life yeah how much percentage wise roughly i suppose was like was what you were the questions that you've been dealing with from young people were they relationships versus sex well often it's really hard to distinguish between them yeah. you've got really clear things around like stis and condom use mm. which are very much about sex And then you've got things that are very clearly about relationships if you're talking about like healthy relationships or like abusive or coercive aspects of relationships or like how your like relationships outside of romance of like the friendships and family members and communication, all that Mm. stuff. But then everything else is in this gray area. If you're talking about porn, if you're talking about consent, like there's no real way of you tackling any of those subjects without bringing sex and relationships together into them so I that's that's the stuff that I enjoy the most where Mm. we're kind of trying to place all of these ideas into our lived world like having conversations I think with porn is always I've I've just really got a soft spot for talking about porn (laughs) but (laughs) around like queer sex and queer love and non-monogamy is something that I get asked about a lot now that wasn't something that I like taught in schools but all of those are kind of really interesting things in their own little worlds, but actually bringing them into the entire world that we live in, I find very fascinating. I always get like, whenever I start talking about this stuff, I'm, I have to be wary and rein it in of be like, I have the potential to like talk about some of this stuff for like four hours. And I have to be like, okay, Ruby, probably not, <laughs> not the context where we're going to like unpack everything in your brain right now. Let's just keep some of it. No, I love it. We in. want to. But it's not, I feel really great. I feel really grateful that I found like a topic that I just am obsessed yeah. with and it mm. relates so much. Everyone has got their own personal in on all of these topics. Even if you are asexual or aromantic, you're still living in a sexualized or romanticized world. Like we all, this is what we live. 
like every day. And why do we not talk about it more? Yeah, I know. It makes me feel bad for not talking about it more. <laughs> but there's, <laughs> but, but hey, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> here to, that we already have so much like shame and fear around this stuff. Like the last thing I want anything in this kind of sex positive movement to do is to then add more of that. I'd like okay. more pressure because it's then not about going, it would be such a trivial way of, seeing sex positivity which is something that I've felt before and I know other people do of suddenly going oh god but I'm not having like wild multiple orgasms and I'm not I don't have like every single sex toy and I'm not doing this like that's not what this is about I think it's a bit more earnest than that of going sex positivity is about like looking at sexual health and everything that comes within that as like a human right and like placing that in the world with that in mind, like just on what you just said, can we talk about porn for a yeah, minute? Yeah, come on. What do you what do you want to chat about? <laughs> well, I, I actually, it's only as I'm like now a full adult mother, no less. I'm like, oh my god, there is there isn't porn. There, there hasn't been porn for women, really. Like yeah. not made, not in the same way that like I don't know the conversation around porn for women, like girls, all of it. Like I actually find it so coconuts how we. That's, coconuts are such a childish I, I love that I, I really that. I thought that was quite poetic I really like, enjoyed it through me through me in a good way in a good way I'm totally As I said it I was like that was the wrong word but um the like I, I just the I mean I suppose so many of the issues it's not really like you know a hot take but so many of the issues that we deal with in terms of like you know growing up is the fact that men or consent the the porn sets us up so unrealistically but I wonder like I don't know if things have changed since we were at school but young girls didn't or any girls women did not watch porn when I was at school there wasn't the access like there, there wasn't the conversation around it if they did it definitely wasn't geared up did you not watch porn when you were a teenager no like literally, literally nothing never. at all and I wouldn't have known how to find it okay how old were you both of you 29 35 yeah, so I'm 30. Yeah. We were just having different teenage experiences. Really? <laughs> was I a little prude? <laughs> hey, and everyone's okay. Yeah. But I, I was really curious and I watched quite a lot of porn as a what, teenager. What, what, like Pornhub? Like men's, Por- well, Pornhub like, came, have, yeah, Pornhub came into, porn, was invented, like came about in 2007. So that would have been when we were like... 13. Yeah, teenagers. Yeah. But lots of other like free tube sites. And then it was only when I was... I think when I was like 18 and started reading particular like blog posts and stuff on Tumblr and Reddit and like hearing about stories of like sexual liberation from women and being like, this is cool. Why am I so fascinated by this? Then I I found loads of amazing porn that I liked that was like more femme focused maybe more. I, I think back in the day it was very much like this is feminist porn and I have issues with that as a term now anyway because I think a lot of the time when people think like porn for men and porn for women what porn for women can look like is sort of like rose petals scattered and like Mm. a bit more like a romance novel (laughs) and actually I think there's something really feminist about like filthy sex I don't want to sanitize sex I want it to be able to be explicit and really like real and if what you want out of sex is something really filthy then wonderful Mm. but I guess it's more so there's, I guess there's two layers of, of porn whenever I speak about it. There's porn as an industry and in the way that it's made. Mm. And then there's porn and our relation to it as consumers and like mm. what we see and experience. So all regulated porn in the like porn industry in the same way that there's like Hollywood, like as an industry is is really regulated. Like there's there's a lot of protocol and obviously there's some people doing dodgy shit within that but like it's an industry that has a lot of care and respect in it but even the stuff that's fairly mainstream within that when you're watching it as a consumer you're not getting those messages around like when all of the performers have been tested with STIs and the conversations they've had before about what they're comfortable with doing and what they're not so I love Erste's is a really good independent site and they kind of show a lot of their behind the scenes content of like being sat down with performers and talking about what they want to do, like what turns them on and excites them, but also what they're not feeling that day. So that I think is really breaking the fourth wall of Paul, of Paul, <laughs> who's Paul? Breaking the fourth wall of porn is really essential, I think, to having a bit more of a kind of critical understanding mm. of it. And it's hard because 
I think porn is a space. Porn shows us a lot about society in a very explicit way that I think makes us more aware and more uncomfortable than lots of other places where we see it. So the way that race and racism is very prevalent in lots of mainstream hardcore pornography, the way that obviously gendered attitudes and gender-based violence kind of feed into a lot of what we can see in like mainstream porn. These are things that exist in the world. It's not a, like, I think it's, porn is a, yeah. it's kind of like a little beacon, that sh a mirror that like reflects the world back to us. Yes. I don't think I had, I don't think, I think I was too scared to go for porn as a teenager. <laughs> like, but then when I grew up, I, I, I guess I came into like, and I do feel like this sort of like, sec and, and I am late to it. So, and yeah. you know, like I, I'm not, I haven't been in a sex positive space before because it just hasn't really been my world. But I guess this sort of sex positive part of feminism, I do feel is f fairly kind of, it feels like it's become a lot more mainstream with the internet and with social media. And it wasn't definitely in my teenage years. Like, I don't think that there was sex positivity as part of my feminism. So I wouldn't have necessarily felt confident to... I don't know. I wouldn't. I. I don't think I. I without without having been experienced without having experienced sex positivity. I don't think I'd have ever found porn empowering. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. I've only come to that later. I think I would have always seen it as something made for men and quite dirty. Yeah. yeah like yeah. I'd have just seen like schoolgirl yeah. gets done by stepdad step or whatever. Stepfather, yeah. stepdaughter. Yeah. There was yeah. a real incest trend for a while. Yeah. It's less. Yeah. It's less incest heavy nowadays. Is it? Every That's once in a while, I still go on to make because I. I'm a little nerd, so I also go on porn sites to be like what are we what's popular what's right now yeah. like what's happening and there was like a just a few real heavy incest years which was fascinating of going like where I walked away from it really that was where I saw it that was probably the only porn I was exposed to and I thought oh that's <laughs> no that's not good and then I never and then I just thought well that's just for p pervy men and that's not me yeah. and then I'm done and I'll never yeah. bother with it Pornhub for for its flaws also does some really interesting stuff in terms of the data that they share. And every year they okay. have, um, they show the like most popular categories in like different parts of the world and in the UK, like, and it changes a lot of the time, but it really tracks with what's going on in the world. So right. for the, in the US, for example, almost every year, like the Southern States, Ebony is a massively popular topic, like porn hub search right. so in states where there's a lot more racism and kind of division between like african americans and like white americans suddenly that feeds into yeah. the taboo of that kind of feeds into the thing that people are searching for with porn last year uh, like transgender as a search term jumped up massively on the on the list so when now that we're experiencing and seeing loads of like transphobia, transphobia and like yeah. queer fear and hatred that's something that kind you know like it's not porn and sex and desire doesn't exist in a vacuum in our lives like it really interplays with what we're seeing in the world around us mm. that's really interesting wow. that's fascinating proud i got those little i hope those stats are like fairly right yeah there's a lot really living up in here <laughs> yeah that's quite depressing. I always thought that like, you know, those that shout that like, you'd always hear like those that were the most, and I, I don't even know where I've heard this, it's probably completely factually untrue, but like you'd always think that those were the loud, those who were the loudest in their hatred, whether it be homophobia or whatever. And it would always be like a kind of thing used against them. It'd be like, well, they're probably just gay and they're just angry about it. And kind of porn makes it look like maybe that is the case. Well, I think it's... <sighs> I don't know. I'm not I'm not like particularly qualified to speak on this, but I think there's something really interesting about how like the fear and often the disgust that people are taught to feel about like if we're thinking about particular groups, how yeah. how closely that can be linked to something that might feel like maybe has the potential to feel exciting or sexual, yeah. especially when we're taught to think of sex as a shameful thing and also yeah. especially if we're thinking about kind of queer and trans people when like queer narratives are so sexualized mm. and I think that's a really like just I think from experience that's a lot of stuff sometimes of people I mean obviously I'm not speaking for everyone uh, but like I think that there can be a crossover there of if there's people who have like shame or fear or disgust that is then within themselves, like how that then gets like put out into the rest of the yeah. world. It's a big, it's it's a big topic. I'm not like the <laughs> definitive person to speak to about it, but like the way that porn plays into that 
is fascinating. So interesting. And, and also, like, porn has the potential to be really wonderful as well. Like, mm. porn can be really, porn can be political. It can be really funny and really hot and exciting and gorgeous. And it's not just, that can be, that can look like so many different things like I'm a real advocate for the potential of porn and that there are so many people out there making really amazing porn but I guess when there's so much resistance to having actual conversations around it and when young people turn to porn to learn rather than having spaces in their life where they can ask questions and there's like adequate and inclusive relationships and sex ed like porn is an entertainment source and I guess when it starts to become like the first port of call for education then that's where yeah I get a bit grumpy yeah (laughs) we we have we do another episode where people ask us questions it's not Mm. very good we but we butcher all the questions we don't do a great job I'm sure that's not true but we try um we have a good time doing it though that's all that matters (laughs) Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. One of the most common questions really is about, we tend to get this a lot from women who are in heterosexual relationships. Mm-hmm. And the, the context always is always obviously slightly different, but like the general feeling, feeling and and that and the advice they're asking for is around their discomfort with their male partner watching consuming porn. Yeah, and I guess we always kind of struggle to answer this question, don't we? Or like to give any advice on this because it's it feels quite difficult. So I wondered if you yeah. would be would have anything to say. This is always an interesting topic because it does. <laughs> You've seg- it's segueing into another thing that I speak about a lot of the time, which is non-monogamy and kind of how we design yeah. our relationships. Because the example of in a relationship, two people having maybe quite different ideas of watching porn and if that's something that is like okay within the agreement of their relationship or not, something's gone wrong there when there's not been a conversation before that's happening. Mm-hmm. I think often monogamy is something that we're all taught to do that's just like a a really integral part of traditional society and something that I grew up just assuming that that was the way that you did relationships and there's nothing wrong with that monogamy can be a really wonderful thing it's worked for me in the past it's not I'm not like anti-monogamy at all but I I think I feel sad that often it it limits us having conversations about what we want our relationships to look like. So for me, I'm someone who is non-monogamous. I have more than one partner. I have done for a really long time. And Mm. what that means is I've had to really think about and have conversations with my partners about what we're building together and what that Mm. looks like and how, how we do all of this. And that's can be quite tricky, but actually it's really exciting to be able to design something that really feels right for me and for my other partners and so I guess that as a notion is something I want to encourage more people to do and more monogamous people to do because hopefully having conversations earlier on of being like what do you what what are your thoughts about porn like do you watch porn how how are we going to navigate that so it's not it doesn't come up as this kind of surprise and it doesn't feel like that that feeling of um discomfort or like betrayal sometimes I've spoken to people before and they've like found out that a partner's like watching porn or like watching webcam stuff or OnlyFans and it feels 
like for one person it might feel really yeah. deceptive or feel like cheating or feel like something that they feel really insecure about and the other person yeah. is like this is just a part of this is I thought this was okay like we'd never spoken mm-hmm. about it before but I just assumed this was all right so I know that doesn't specifically answer the question but it kind of the backstory yeah. of it I think it's I think it's a really important conversation to have yeah. how do you navigate that if you you aren't on the same page um one of you is comfortable watch with porn and with the other with the partner watching porn but the other one isn't yeah well how do you get around that well I I think more conversation yeah. of trying to under like really trying to hear each other and where you're both coming from so yeah. why it doesn't feel like a big deal or why it is an important thing for one person to watch porn like often in longer relationships we can fall into a bit of a trap of assuming that our partner is our sexuality that like our sexuality is so linked to someone else rather than being our own thing that can be enjoyed separately or with that partner and if you're like you coming together and building something really nice and sexy I'm I'm always a bit aware of kind of when sexuality is seen as something that's like so linked to somebody else because I want us all to like have our own sexual identity and kind of Mm. feeling and for the person who isn't feeling comfortable with it to be able to share why and maybe to ask questions and so a lot of that can be the fear of the unknown if Mm. you have all of these assumptions and like that oh my god this person's like looking at I don't know I can't think of an example but like there's a fear of what someone might be looking at or there's a fear that it means that they're they're not attracted to you or and and I think just being able to like the more we chat the less we've got those like potentials for fear in our brain yeah I think we do project a lot of insecurity onto this comes up for me I I work with the metro as an agony arm Mm -hmm. and this is something that comes up literally every like multiple times a week and it's like It'll be, I think, and it's never based in fact, but it's always the person saying, I think maybe I've been ghosted because he only follows skinny girls on Instagram and I'm curvy or, you know, he watches this kind of porn and I don't look like that. And it's like we assume that because they like one thing and we're not that thing that they couldn't like us. And it's like, like you say, it's not, you don't just have one type of thing that every that you, that's it this is all I find sexy this one well, like specific... some, someone probably does but that's very limited yeah. Yeah. like I think if we have our own experience of knowing like you don't none of us have just like one thing that we are attracted to like and what we are mm. attracted to will ebb and flow and change and there'll be certain times that you're really drawn to like I don't know if even if we're just thinking about like the sex that you have that is something that constantly changes and the fear that is behind lots of those questions, I guess, st- can sometimes stop us from seeing that in other people. Mm. That like, this is this is varied. Like this changes all of the time. And actually, if we're able to have conversations with each other, we can bridge those gaps. So we're not like projecting onto somebody else. Mm. And and the body image stuff is just fucking relentless. It's hot. Like that's, I've I've got questions like that before of like, I feel weird because my like, my new partner has only has like really tall skinny exes and I'm Mm. not that and that is just obviously (laughs) such a huge Huge, issue and like it's something that we've all grown up with and really like stays with us but I wish we could just like wrap that up and bin it because it doesn't serve anyone I think that's the hard thing with porn as well isn't it like the particularly again seemingly where both of us like our our limited knowledge (laughs) of porn as teenagers was like that the women always looked like very oh, slim yeah. with massive boobs and never mm-hmm. blonde and that was pretty much like yeah but i so my experience of porn is actually seeing more variety in porn than i was seeing in like the magazines that i was buying as a teenager or yeah. on tv like it was the first time i remember watching porn and being like oh wow that person's like nipples and labia look like mine because they're more brown than they are pink yeah and and like you know being able i think there's something it's obviously problematic because a lot of these aspects of people's bodies and identities that are not the kind of full absolute traditional mainstream, they can easily get really fetishized on sites. But there's another layer of that of like actually being able to see it like on loads of on loads of like mainstream tube sites. There's like hairy as a category and actually then seeing people who are like with body hair. That's Mm. not something that you see on TV. No. So I, I hear you. But, I but I'm always like, like, I'm just yeah. like, where else is it? It's so oh, nuanced. Yeah. There's no, there's like 
absolutely no cut and dry with porn. And that's, yeah, I think, yeah. why I feel so fascinated by it. I think that's a very formative, <laughs> like my my view of it was, that was kind of like the first experience or first awareness that I had of it. Yeah. Because subsequently now I've worked with both Beducated and with Cheeks. <gasps> and I love what Cheeks do so much. I love both of them. Cheeks, I think it's the, really cool. There's a life drawing, um, a life modeling film that Cheeks have made, which is a Amazing. Oh my God, okay. It's like a sexual fantasy turned, like so the performers in it, I, I'm really big fans of. It's fucking brilliant. Yeah. My, um, I keep doing ads for them and the dis- like my followers are clearly loving the porn because every <laughs> time I hear from Cheeks, like, whoa, that code flew. I'm like, you get a gust. <laughs> love that. No one so messages is, me about it, but people are clearly using just like, it. Don't yeah. Notice. Yeah. yeah, there's a real fascination with this stuff. So mm. it's really, and I think it's so important that like more people can talk about this and share it so yeah. I'm glad I'm glad because I, I imagine that lots of the people who follow you that's like a real new you're it, like really introducing you're doing the Lord's work there you're like <laughs> awkward I'm doing it awkwardly though it's like oh god okay guys I know we're all very awkward talking about sex and porn but I hope you enjoy this and never, oh, never talk to you about I, it <laughs> I, I do cheeks ads as well yeah. and then the first time I did it like a few people messaged me being like because I've spoken a lot on the podcast about how like my family were very like we if 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 we mention sex, we say sex. Like we can't say the word sex. Yeah. My mum has never the only thing actually said the word sex, and she's very she's from a very traditional Catholic family. Yeah. So it's just so any time. So the first time I did it, I got loads of messages being like, "This is so brave," and I'm so proud of you. And I was like, "Ah, don't say <laughs> that. Don't acknowledge it. Don't tell me I'm brave. That makes people like ah, scream." Um, but I think it. I think there is something brave about that. And then and then hopefully like you being able to do that means that the next time you do something like it, it doesn't feel as scary. Right. And then for people who are seeing that, it doesn't feel as scary. Like it's yeah. it's just, it's about normalizing this. I, um, like, I keep yeah. saying it, but like yeah. trying to just dissolve all of that fear and panic that we have and about this. body image alone, that's what, like mm. porn made by women yeah. feels really important. It's what you were yeah. saying before, like not fetishized actual bodies, like just to see yourself not as a big deal, not as a token, not as a fetish, just as a like person. person. Existing. Yeah. yeah, I think that's re- that's where the change. I really hope, like, and maybe yeah. Obviously, it's just happened, and I didn't notice because I. I mean, I just had a kid. I'm not watching porn right now, guys. I'm gonna be honest. So, like, or anything could be happening. She's not in a porn era. I, no, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll I come back come, later. Yeah, I might come to it, but right now I am. I am out, yeah. out of commission. But um. But also, there's no like this isn't something. This is an opt-in thing as well. Like you don't need to engage with yeah. this if it's not something that you are not drawn to or curious about yeah. so again it's yeah. not that pressure of being like oh god i'm sex positive i'm gonna have to stop watching porn yeah, like why why do we create really that sex. you know yeah. it's yeah. like if, if it floats your boat great yeah. find things that feel good for you yeah if it doesn't you're really welcome to not to like for your sexuality to not involve anything yeah. to do with porn but i guess it's trying to find ways to understand why that's important for other people yeah because yeah. that helps with the fear of like that question that you mentioned if you get it of going oh actually this is it's really nice i like watching porn because it's like it feels quite cheeky like a little window into like other people's sex lives and desires and fantasies and i think solo sex for me is really important even if i'm in a relationship because it's a moment for me to connect with myself and remember yeah. that actually whenever I'm having sex with other people, like I'm there. I'm like, who am I in sexual contexts? Yeah. And sometimes I, well, sometimes I'll just have a wank because it's what I want to do or I want to get to sleep or whatever. But actually having, exploring solo sex in a way of going, who am I as a sexual being just on my own is lovely. And I would encourage yeah. people to do that whenever they can. I found that can. really interesting what you said, like our sexuality can become so tied up in in someone else yeah. in our partner that we don't I thought that was really interesting and I've that builds really up to like that. there's a lot of resentment and different expectations that can come from that as well like yeah. I've felt that before in relationships of if you really want to have sex but your partner doesn't then go, like they're feeling feeling a bit wounded or rejected but also feeling very much like your your experience of desire is like yeah just so it's like mind. really dependent on someone else's right. ability to join like, you with that that's really stressed me out yeah because <laughs> oh no i don't want it to stress no, you no, out no, but like it's just something just clicked in my brain that's just like the you make it all about you like i mean we hear this question all the time and it's like my partner doesn't want to have yeah. sex or i, I don't want to have sex with my partner and i feel guilt i actually think that's one of the ones in there it's about like saying, it is yeah, yeah. somebody Ooh. said they felt that we really have to get on to yeah somebody <laughs> said they felt guilty for 
not for 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 not wanting to have sex with their partner. I think that sounds like their partner has a higher sex drive. How to combat them. low sex drive and the guilt that comes with it. Slash shouting. But that's yeah. just blown my mind that sh- that she. I'm assuming it's a she because some the listeners are like 99. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That that person. The, we and this is just so typical of women if it is a woman I'm assuming but like we're so used to putting other people's needs in front of our own that we've re- removed the fact that we have to, to give our bodies to this situation yeah. Yeah. and then we feel guilty for like depriving us but it's like it's like we don't want to go in a situation that we don't want to go in and in those are situations we wouldn't now we've kind of got strong and empowered enough that we wouldn't go into situations that we don't want but then we do have this like guilt with our yeah. partners or with men that we'd yeah. be like oh no well, I'll just lie back and think of England or whatever and it but it also happens the other way around as well I get lots of people yeah. DMing me in like especially in sort of hetero relationships where it's a woman who feels weird of being like ah I have a higher sex drive drive than my boyfriend yeah. like but I've been taught that I should be the docile one who like doesn't initiate sex yeah, so yeah. like what's that so you know yeah. it goes both ways um I I have lots of thoughts about that yeah let's go yeah. so one thing that's really super speedy. Let's see how quickly I can do this. Have you heard of the dual control model? No. This is something, it's a really amazing piece of research that Emily Nagoski kind of made internationally famous. She is a writer and her book, Come As You Are, is like one of, it's like the one of the kind of formative texts in sex world. So for anyone who's curious about this, like do go and read it. It's shockingly good. But the dual control model is the way that we now think about desire and the simplest way of thinking about it is that you've got a brake and an accelerator. And when yeah. we think about getting turned on, yeah. culturally, what we're talking about is that accelerator. Turned on, like, these are the sexy things. I'm picking up on them. I'm getting turned on. This is great. My brain is telling me, like, this stuff's hot. I think I'm going to be like get into the mood now. But what we often miss out is the, the brake, that there's also a, a, another kind of part of our brain, part of this model, which is looking out for things to looking like looking out for us of being like oh actually is this a, an environment that's safe to be sexy in like have, do I need to take the bins out later like can my kid or my parent hear me like do I feel safe with this person do I feel comfortable in my body all of those things can mm. be the break setting off and actually it's not about just turning the on on it's also about turning the offs off like if you're right. dr- like when you're driving, you need like mm. if you just slam yeah, down both yeah. of them, like your car's not going to be very happy if the car is the body. I don't know where that analogy's going. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a really useful thing of thinking about why if someone is feeling resistant to sex, if there's something there of going actually, do you need to think a little bit more and kind of work on your with yourself and with your partner about what a sexy and a kind of nice, happy, safe environment feels like to experience pleasure. Alongside that, there's no better or worse in terms of like sexual appetite or sex drive, just because someone's might be a bit less or someone's might be higher. Neither person is wrong. So it's to really stop trying to think of your sex drive as something that needs to be fixed of being like, well, mine's low, his is high, therefore mine needs to get better. Like that's not, that's so defeatist. Like we all need to get better at kind of being where we're at and being able to communicate that rather than really making an effort to change who we are in that moment. And being able to speak about it and kind of share with a partner what you are wanting to do in that moment. Because it might be the case of saying, I've had moments like this of going, like sex for me is quite hard right now. I'd really like to be intimate with you and like if that's us like having a cuddle and like a kiss or like giving each other massages but I just don't know think it that's going to be something sexual but what I want is that intimacy sometimes people really crave that and it's more about that than actually the sex itself but saying this is what I can do like let's if you're ever kind of in the mood like come to me and we can see maybe I'm maybe I'm feeling it maybe I'm not but that's if I'm not feeling it, it's not a rejection of you. It's just me and where I'm at in that moment. And then that's where, obviously, maybe for some people, this isn't like a complete fix all, but maybe solo sex can be a really good thing there of going like, it's not not for me today, but please, off you like you have the bedroom to yourself for 20 minutes, like have a lovely time, come back down. Yeah. <laughs> I know that sounds quite funny to some people, but I think just trying to normalize that sexual pleasure doesn't have to be something that's the two of you. How do you deal with insecurity within that? Because I guess that feeds back to the porn question that mm-hmm. we did before. It's like if you feel that 
you don't want your partner watching porn without you or you feel like there is this sense. And I know like in an ideal world, we are going to learn that, that, that it's not bad, right? But yeah. I think we do feel that we, men feel that they have to be, and speaking heteronormatively, but like men feel like they have to be giving sex because men are taught, we, we're taught that men want sex all the time. So yeah. men have to have a high sex drive. And then, you know, we're taught as women that we need to be attractive to the man to keep him. So how do you deal with your insecurity within that? You know, it's, it's kind of good in theory being like, yeah, you just go upstairs and whatever. But if you're still, if you're mm -hmm. feeling like a failure or like you're not as attractive as the people that they're watching on porn or whatever mm -hmm. it is, if you've got any insecurity, how do you work with that within this situation? I think we've always, we've always got some insecurity lurking around. Like no one's, no one's safe from <laughs> insecurity. Yeah. I, oh God, this is such a like meaty question. No, no. I mean, it's good. There's the annoying thing is there's no quick answer to this. And I think you've got to be honest with with your insecurities with yourself and be able to chat to a partner about it, being able to chat to friends as well, because I think we feel so alone in our insecurities and just like people listening to this, hopefully will hear things and feel less alone mm. and not feel like I'm the only person in the world who has this these worries because mm. these are really valid like we live in a world that's designed these fears and like put them into ourselves it's mm. it's really messed up um i i think we should try oh it's really hard actually to fully separate like porn from solo sex and pleasure because for some people they're like really intrinsically linked i guess i'd really try to think about your partner wanting to go off and like masturbate not like as something that he is doing rather than something he is doing like in relation to you yeah. like that's not it's not because you have failed it's not because you are not hot enough or interesting enough or like all of the all of the things and maybe you might need some kind of reassurance from your partner that they think you're fucking wonderful which I hope they do mm. because so we all need in those moments of insecurity a bit of like time of going actually that that's okay but could you could you come back and just <laughs> make sure that we're on the same page like yeah, yeah. do you like me do you think I like being able to say that and not have mm. a fear of being needy just because that's that's like human existence we all mm. need a bit of reassurance sometimes but now I just want to everyone who's got that in them so like I want to hug that part of myself but also hug everyone like who has those feelings because I think that's such yeah. a human thing of like just our brains can be real tricky sometimes and like find things to feel quite crap about. And I guess like all of this is just, we, we just don't have the education, do we? Yeah. We're just not taught about this stuff. We're taught that like, well, yeah, like if he's not interested in having sex, it's because of you. It's because he's not attracted to you. Or mm -hmm. if he wants to go and masturbate or like wants to watch porn without you, then it's because, yeah, it's it's just, it's, Interesting. We're not taught that separation between like coming back to what we were saying before as well. Like the se in a partnership, sexualities are not like intrinsically linked. Yeah, and it, and it is like just everyone needs to be really kind with themselves with mm. all of this and go slow because none of us learned. I mean, maybe like one person listening to this like had really good relationship and sex ed growing up, but on it, but like uh, where? <laughs> exactly, like, show me, show me them. <laughs> but like none of us, we're all playing catch up. But then in this weird yeah. way of being like grown ups, feeling like we have to know what we're doing, and then having this yeah. panic that none none of us were taught about this. Yeah, and, and like, culturally, actually, what we were taught, and I remember this line, and I don't know why it stuck with me because actually, some came out quite late. But in Wolf of Wall Street, I remember he says at one point, and it's such a specific line, but I love the film. Don't know why, I'm just fascinated by it. I watch a lot of YouTube clips of Wolf of Wall Street. I just find, why does that? Why like, do we care so much? I, I don't care. I, I don't know why I'm. I mean, Margot I, Robbie. That's like quite a good reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Like I don't watch films. Like really, I haven't got the attention span for them. But Wolf of Wall Street, I watch once a year without fail. Good. <laughs> It's really weird. That's yeah. so random. I really like it. I don't know why. In Wolf of Wall Street, um, they say this um, line, and I cannot even remember it, quote, quote, unquote, but basically it's like Leo's talking about like, the poor guy's like the wife at home, how basically he's got his wife and it's like three day old razor stubble and like she's overweight and she's this and whatever. And like, and he's basically saying like, poor you, you've got that at home. And it's actually... Like that, I think, is what we're so scared of. It's like this cultural thing that like the minute you're the wife or you're the one at home, we've kind of got this like complete 
juxtaposition between how comfortable we actually feel with our partners, which for me, I'm like, I feel so comfortable with Alex. Like I'm an absolute like slug when I'm around him. Like I'm just like, he's literally seen me particularly this last year through all sorts. Like, and I'm completely comfortable with him. But then you hear that kind of stuff in, yeah, like in pop culture and in the, in the way that we speak in films and stuff. And you kind of can't help it. It's like, that's what we're taught to think. It's like the wife at home is just the like, letting herself go. She's let herself go. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, we've got this really big fear. And I feel like that's something I don't know, worth just like remembering or considering. I guess it's got to tie into it. Don't yeah. know how, but like. No, I'm, I completely agree with you. It's, there's so few spaces to talk about this and mm. examples to see in the world around us, like in terms of film and media in general, around enduring love. Mm. Like it's all about the start. Yeah. It's like, even when you go back to like bloody Shakespeare, it's, it's like, the trials and tribulations of dating. And then at the end, it's like marriage, woohoo, done. And actually what happens after that is the bulk of people's lives. Yeah. And that's the bit that we don't hear as much about. And I think then we just don't have as much of a roadmap. We don't have things to compare our experiences to. There's all that pressure that like, okay, and then you must just be perfect forever. And you'll never disagree and sex alive yeah exactly all of that stuff I think we all just need to keep like give ourselves a like what's the phrase this is my dyslexia coming in where I can't remember phrases and then I get what pinch of salt there you go but like I was gonna say pinch of another spice I like mess them up all the time (laughs) pinch of sugar I'd love a pinch of sugar okay we can do we can do a pinch of sugar with this one like it's it's so we just need to be a bit easier on ourselves because this stuff is hard like the way that we relate to other people is hard and if we're wandering around with the expectation that we should be like basking in love all the time and everything's perfect we're having wild sex all the time like that's not attainable it's Mm. not and and then if you're not doing that but you're being taught that that's what you should be doing yeah that is where all of that fear panic can fester and sit in us and you get the like letting go fear which is just fucking bullshit I know when like do you it's, want, don't you want to yeah. relax don't you want to let yeah. go yeah I know let's I'm be comfy let's be comfy you as yeah. well like if I if Alex thought or Dave thought that you were just like holding on so tightly he'd be heartbroken because he'd want you to yeah. be comfortable oh, yeah. within your relationship we don't afford men that like we don't give them that like the ki- like the kindness like we don't mm. give them the credit that they yeah. would be nice enough to want that because we've been taught that deep down they don't they want us all like they want trophy wife yeah bouncy and yeah like when the same is not expected of them <laughs> no but they yeah where's the letting on. go narrative for yeah, husbands exactly well yeah yeah <laughs> let but them keep their socks on. on babe I know I know I know you I know look at me bitch. I told you I am yeah I'm, I'm Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> I'm problematic well, I'd, th- I'd say that keeping socks on or not and then the letting herself go they've got slightly different yeah. weights to them yeah yeah slightly slightly <laughs> mind you I do feel like the day that Alex doesn't take his socks off, I know he has just fully let go. Let go. Yeah. <laughs> like, she wants are. it or she doesn't. You've like, given up, mate. Yeah. <laughs> well, we had an absolute ton of questions for you that we asked for you on our Instagram as well. We got so many questions and we haven't actually got to them. We got to a couple. Well, we did. We did get to a couple actually. But, but let's, one... do, let's do a couple. Let's yeah. do some. Let's we'll, smash we'll, them out. We'll, okay, we'll, we'll I'll do. I will try and be speedy as well. We can just like. I think just given what we've spoken about, I do feel like we've yeah. kind of been on a path today within relationships I guess it's yeah. kind of like so there there was one that we thought with that in mind which was about cheating you know given as we've kind of had our own insecurities and stuff and we've talked yeah. all about that I guess the kind of follow-up from that is like if that does happen if cheating does happen mm. in a relationship is it always bad and can you get past it in your opinion cheating if we're thinking about it as like how are we like really distilling I'm writing about this right well I'm starting to write about it right now so I'm kind of like all the cogs are turning a bit. Cheating being something where you're you're kind of breaking the agreement of your relationship, that is not an ideal thing to happen in a relationship. Like ideally we want to be really mm. like staying within the boundaries that we've agreed on and we've created together. So cheating, not, not a good thing in my opinion, hot take. <laughs> <laughs> um, but do I think that you can kind of overcome that, move through that? I, I think you can. It's so context dependent. It depends on every individual situation. Cheating can be like 
you know, a full-blown affair and like a hidden family (laughs) or it can be like snogging someone on a night out and everyone's got their own versions of kind of comfort, I guess. So for like I have been cheated on in a non-monogamous setup like even with the agreement right. there of being like we've got multiple partners we're sleeping with other people like the, there was still a deception there that really really hurt me and so it's right. less for me about like oh my god but you like you slept with that person because that's within our agreement like I'm I feel pretty much okay about that like unless it crosses the boundaries of what we've agreed on so it's about kind of defining that I guess for individuals and and try I I I would there's so much fear around cheating we are taught to hold jealousy in such a high regard and it kind of can govern a lot of our romantic relationships and jealousy is an important thing but I probably think that we hold a, we give it a bit too much weight so there are some, you will know instinctively, there are some moments in cheating where like you can't go back from that because trust has been broken and it's really hurtful and like well devastating and it what has been built can't be rebuilt after that. But I think there are lots of moments where you could look at something and see, see things as mistakes mm-hmm. and see things and like there can be hurt and distrust and anger around those things but there can also be healing if people are willing to have the conversations around it and kind of come together so yeah honesty communication and instincts in terms of if that if that feels possible for you interesting yeah Yeah, what do you think I agree with you actually and I think probably until recently I wouldn't have and I think not not recently, probably, until, I don't know, I always just thought, like, once a cheater, always a cheater, leopard. Spots, that thing. Yeah, yeah not a cheater, I just say, no, leopard can't change its spots. <laughs> yeah, I always used to think that, but then I think the, like, older I get, the, like, more I look into stuff and I realise that there's, like, everything is nuanced and, like, complex and a grey area. And I think it's just not that black and white. Mm. I've got a friend of mine who's been married for years and is monogamous. And we have really interesting conversations around, like, monogamy and non-monogamy together. We had this great chat where she was like, I don't want to sleep with anyone else. I really like my husband. He's great. Very invested in it just being us two for a long time. But if he slept with someone else, obviously I would be really, there would be a lot of really complicated feelings around that. But I don't, but she was like, it would take a lot for that to outweigh our entire relationship. Yeah. Like if, and and that's not going to sit right for everybody and that's okay. I get that. But being like, really? Like one, yeah. one moment, yeah. just like completely done. I think often it's cultural scripts that teach us that rather than yeah. being able to sit with it. And people really put themselves and go, well, if it, that were me and I wouldn't stand for that. And that's it, the judgment. The judgment, yeah. 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 Like the amount of women who say I stay for the kids and I see this, narr- this, this narr- rhetoric all the time online. It's just like, your children want happy parents and you, and it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's so easy for us to say from here. Yeah, but we don't know like if you're yeah. in that situation and that person could have just honest to god fucked the fuck up and just hate themselves for it yeah or yeah or they could have done a really bad thing over a prolonged period of time not feel that much remorse but it was because of something within the relationship and they didn't handle it right and now they you know now they're gonna handle it it could be a million things yeah and it's not for us but it's so like i don't know from the outside in i feel like we we should everyone should be like no can't come back from cheating mm. but actually I, I really like what your friend said like yeah it's kind of like I don't know it's a bit yeah. sad but then kind of being a human is quite sad sometimes it's yeah I love that that just made you clutch your bump you're like oh God, <laughs> the pain <laughs> it just is you know sometimes humans do bad things yeah. and it's just like it's not great but you have to move on from it, I mm-hmm. suppose. And also see again, like old is. <laughs> well, but also seeing it from my perspective of someone who like it's I've, for eight years I've been in non-monogamous relationships, and so yeah. and I'm not I'm not here to like recruit. I'm not here to <laughs> preach about it at all. That that I think cheating is always I find really interesting from my perspective of being like yeah okay I there's still p- potential for deception 
in my relationships, but we've got much more open lines of communication where that's much less likely to happen. And so I can yeah. sit, I can sit with things like there's been, I won't, I don't want to talk about it in specific details, but just like something came up with my partner who I live with recently where I was asking them about the potential of doing something that was like, God, this sounds like so dramatic. Um, <laughs> the potential of doing something where I was like, this is a bit of a weird one, but like, <laughs> what do you think about this? And they, their response, they had, they went away for a couple of days to think about it. And they were like, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I, this, pro it probably wouldn't be my like absolute preference for you to go ahead and do this. But if you did, and I can see you've explained to me why this might be important. If that's what you need to do, then go and do your thing. And for, you know, we've been together for six years almost. So it's not, that's not something that you can just like create overnight. But I really appreciated that, that it didn't have to be like, everyone is completely on board and completely happy. There was a bit of gray area, but we kind of trusted each other to, to hold a bit of that. I don't know if any of that's usable because I'm being so dramatic and no, not saying no, what no. it is. No, no, it, <laughs> no I like yeah, it. I do too. Yeah. I, yeah. Because I, I think that applies to like so much of what we've been talking about as well, where we feel like both people have to be exactly on the same page or it's not going to work. Yeah. And often it's really difficult to be on the same page as someone completely different to you. So I think that's really interesting yeah. as to how you can navigate that when you have different, maybe different views or different desires. I think that's mm -hmm. really interesting, yeah, and helpful. This has been great. Thank you so much. Thanks. <laughs> you were gonna have to come back. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. I feel absolute shit ton of questions that we did not. We I know, I feel like I, I feel like I got no, very no, in my us. brain it then. It was us. It was us. <laughs> it was us, yeah. <laughs> so great, thank you so much. Thanks, well, thanks. Ruby. It's so thanks, nice chatting. Ruby. Thank you. Should I delete that? It's part of the ACAS Creator Network. 